Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, we got a great one today, a fun one speed round today as we dig our way out of the mailbag. We have two questions talking about money and one question talking about hip hop in the workplace. And that is what we are doing today. Fun episode. I hope you enjoy it. I hope you like the format. Uh, You can always leave us a review, honest review, wherever you get your podcasts and let us know how the episodes are going and what you think of them. That always helps us. Shoot us an email at podcast at unchartedvet.com with your feedback is always great. You can also ask me and Stephanie questions there and we'll try to tackle them on the podcast. But yeah, we uh, we hope that you'll really like what we're doing. Speaking of what we're doing, over in the Uncharted community, we have our first ever Practice Owner Summit coming up December 3rd through 5th. If you're a practice owner and would like to get in on what we're doing, head over to unchartedvet.com. This is only open to Uncharted members, so you will need to get yourself a membership, but you're going to love it. You really are. Also, if you're into marketing and you're a marketer, person, the one and only Melanie Kramer, who is the director over at DrAndyWork.com, is running a workshop called Easy Marketing Wins create a plan for 2021 that is on december 10th it is in the afternoon evening it is 99 to the public and it's free to our members so our registration will be open for that and i'll go ahead and put links for that down in the show notes gang without further ado let's get into this episode and now the uncharted podcast and we are back. It's me and Stephanie. These are my confessions, guys. <laughs> These are my confessions. How are you today? Oh, man, I am good. How are you? I'm, I'm as good as you can be. <laughs> I'm living in a crazy world, doing crazy stuff. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah. I feel that. <laughs> yeah. I, I just... I just saw like a like yesterday afternoon in the clinic was just a string of eccentric clients and i i enjoyed them i actually i really Mm -hmm. did but it was like it was like some strange broadway thing where everyone walked in with a festive hat or you know like 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 some guy with a monocle and a pipe like hello there and i'm like this is ridiculous these who are these people I love them, but it was just a walking cartoon character show. So anyway, that's that's my that's my life yesterday, and we're going to see what today holds. How are you? It's funny how they tend to come in waves. I have found that very much to be the case in the clinic, where all of a sudden, you know, occasionally you get like a one-off with mm-hmm. an, an eccentric client, but there definitely are days, and I, you know, I think it's because we're creeping closer to Friday the 13th. Yeah. It's it's not Friday the 13th and a full moon, but we're creeping closer so it makes sense that that we've got uh, some special characters yeah. coming out. <laughs> it was the it was the Muppet show up in our vet <laughs> clinic. Like which is again, love it. A lot of characters. My uh my favorite my favorite one though. <laughs> at the end, we got it. We'll do an episode of this. At the at the end of the day, I got this chihuahua and it was a 6 pound chihuahua that um, has a heart murmur, so she's in to get um, a medication recheck refill. Mm-hmm. And um, I walked in, and the, the it's on the ground, and I just walk up, and I'm like, hey, Buster, and I just scooped him up with one hand. You know what I mean? Because he's six uh-huh. pounds, and so I just scooped sure. him up, and I just start checking him out. And I'm like, all right, what's going on with Buster? And, and they were like, uh, just so you know, he's real bad. I'm like, this <laughs> This dog, this dog I'm holding in my hand. And it was one of those things where he was so bad. 
he couldn't believe that I scooped him up like that. <laughs> and so he had just frozen like, what the heck is this? And after about a solid 10 seconds of just staring straight forward, all of a sudden he was like, Oh no, you didn't. <laughs> and just like, you know, the chihuahua face and teeth. And he's stretching his little head around trying to get to my hands and just, but it was like 10 seconds of just frozen. And I was like, this dog, well, this dog is fine. And then he just lost his mind. I was like, you're six pounds, buddy. If you bite me, it's like falling from a skyscraper. Right. <laughs> oh, I love it. As you know, there are some times where I'm very, very thankful for the alerts and reminders that tell us about things like that. And then sometimes I think pets just have different experiences with different people. And sometimes I wish that they weren't pre-recorded as being naughty because sometimes they have a totally different experience with <laughs> somebody else, you know. But there are also those pets that are just like, nope, I'm going to be like this with everybody. <laughs> I mean, it would, it, I just imagine it was essentially like if someone walked up and slapped a big wet kiss on Darth Vader and he was just like, what just happened? That's what, that's what happened with Buster when I scooped him up. That's oh, fantastic. All right. Okay. Let's, so I, let's do this thing. So I'm super excited about today because we've had, um, we have a growing list of like short answer kind of questions that we have been getting asked and I have been keeping track of them trying to figure out what to do with them because we get a lot of questions that make great you know full episodes and then we have this whole list that's been growing of ones that are shorter and one-offs and so I think we decided to tackle a handful of them today and just try and answer some questions that you guys have thrown out for us and so I'm super excited about a couple of these because they're right up my alley and definitely my my jam so i'm excited to get into these all right cool let's go ahead uh let's just let's just jump into it all right the first one is from a doctor who asked us i have a question about increasing office call and exam fees their secret admission is that they haven't actually done this since opening their practice <laughs> so their question is do i just do it and then answer questions when i get asked do I tell the clients before I do it? When's the right time to increase fees? Do I increase them across the board? So many questions, but the idea of changing something like this that we look at every single day is overwhelming to me. And this comes from doctor talking about money stresses me out. Yes. <laughs> this is a great one. It is a great one. Well, people people hate, we hate talking about money and then the idea of, of raising prices. And then we catastrophize and we just imagine like a picket line in front of yes. the clinic, like put prices back, put prices back. <laughs> and then people calling your house going, if you really cared, you'd do it for free, you monster. And we have these terrible scenarios in our mind. Okay, so we're going to raise prices. Yes. And uh, we have not done this in a long time. Yes. There's a, a lot of people kind of roll their eyes and go, oh, this is not a big deal. Well, it's probably because you, you, do it more regularly. And then also, it really doesn't matter on where you are. You know what I mean? If you have a, an affluent community, not a big deal. If you have a fairly low-income community, it can be a thing. The other thing that blows me away about vet medicine, too, is like 
the fact that clients remember exactly what things cost last time they were in boggles right. my mind. Because I don't, I have no idea. Like, I have right. no idea what dinner cost last night. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. if Bojangles raised the price, I would not know. <laughs> I would mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. pay for my chicken. But pet owners do know. And they will, and they will bring it up. You know, they will say, like, hey, this is more than it was last time. Yeah. Stephanie Goss. I think these are all great questions because for exactly the reasons that you just said. But mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that we don't need to that we don't need to just do it. Like, look, here's the thing. If you I don't care how long you've been open, if you've been open longer than twelve months and you have not increased your exam price, just do it. Rip the band aid off. Like that that's a hundred percent look. Raising fees needs to be on a regular set schedule for review. And the exam fee is one of those ones where for me, I don't actually necessarily raise my exam fee every single time I do a price increase, but it, but it gets adjusted about once a year. Yeah. You know, I've been in clinics where they didn't raise the exam fee for a long, long time. And so instead of going, look, here's the thing. Clients are going to notice if you have charged $45 for an exam fee for the last five years, and all of a sudden you're like, our exam fee is going to be $57. You bet your ass they're going to remember that. And they're going to say, what? And they're going to absolutely lose their minds at the front desk on your poor CSRs. Yeah. If your Mm -hmm. exam fee has been $45 for five years and you raise it to $47, and then six months from now you raise it to $49, that is going to be less noticeable for your client. Yep. And so it depends on how much you need to raise it by, mm-hmm. whether you go all in or you make more frequent incremental changes. And so that's something I think that you need to try and figure out. Now, exam fees are a shopped service. And right. so most clinics, when it comes to setting prices, are like, well, what is the clinic across the street charging? And somebody will get on their cell phone and they'll call the clinic across the street and they'll be like, well, their exam fee is $57. Well, I'm going to raise mine to 56 So I undercut them by a dollar. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> it's, so, it's so true. So dumb. <laughs> and that stuff kills me. That stuff kills me. And, and you're exactly right. That's how, that's how pricing in vet medicine has traditionally worked. Uh, it is so sad. All right, here's my thing. Have a pricing strategy and be intentional, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. exam, like, so we've been talking about uh, raising a, a exam fees, the office call exam fee. Uh, generally, those are price shopped items, mm-hmm. right? I see a lot of vet clinics that are like, we're going up 5% across the board. That's, uh, that's a blunt instrument uh, mm-hmm. maneuver there. That's, that's definitely not a finesse move. Mm-mm. There are like, people will know when your, uh, exam fee goes up. They not so much when your radiographs go from 120 to $130 like that. Yes. Those things are things that they, you know, much less price sensitive. They're not calling and being like, what do your radiographs cost there? Right. And if they do, there's a story behind it. Right. <laughs> there's a reason. Right. But, um, yeah. So, so one is have a pricing strategy. Yes. I really, uh, I think a lot of vets are like, they don't have any idea what to charge. That's, that's a problem because we've got a lot of things we're trying to do, right? I, I, I go back, let's, let's beat the drum for technicians and just say, our techs, a lot of them don't make a living wage and we need to figure that out. Like we need to figure out how to run a healthy business where people can afford to live in our area mm-hmm. and they don't 
quit and go work at Bank of America. You know, like, mm-hmm. like that's it. So our prices should matter. They should mean something. They're not willy-nilly numbers out of the air. Mm-hmm. If we want to have equipment, we want to do CE, we want to do training, we want to pay people well, we want to do bonuses, get your pricing right. And so if you're just like, I got nothing, rudderless pricing strategy, that's a, that's a bigger problem. We need to be working towards something. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, I got nothing, I don't know how to set prices, I have an idea for you. <laughs> Have a suggestion. <laughs> Uncharted Veterinary Community is is a is a uh, subscription community. Uh, we have workshops every month. We have got an active, vibrant, wonderful online community that you can ask questions with. People will help you with. Uh, Stephanie Goss has a financial dashboard workshop that we do from time to time. We have resources in our online school, things like that. Check out unchartedvet.com, and we can definitely help you get that bigger strategy up and going. That said, and aside, there are there are resources to get your pricing figured out. Oh, yeah. And that can be a con- that can be a consultant that you bring in. It can be working with us in our community. It can be price. Uh, what is it called? Price solver. What is it? Um, what's the the spreadsheet sort of program? I know what you're talking about. My favorite is the Aha Fee Reference. Ah, uh, yep, totally. That's a that's a quick and easy one. So if you're if you're one of those doctors who's listening, or one of those practice managers who's listening, and is like, my practice hasn't touched this in years, that would be my place to start because it's quick and easy, and it's going to give you where you are, are you rural, are you city, low end, median pricing and high end pricing and kind of give you a place to start. I like that better than just calling the clinic down the street because I think you're taking into account all of those other things that statistically impact pricing. And that's important to me. But also, I think taking the temperature of what's happening locally is an important part of setting your fees, you, especially on shop services. Yeah, especially on shop services. And when you don't want to be out of touch with everything around you, that is important. Right. At the same time, I have a negative reaction to basing what happens at my practice on what happens at other practices. Yes. That just doesn't matter that much to me. I don't care what the practice down the road charges because they don't do what we do. Right. And again, I'm thinking specifically of, of where we are. And I've talked about this before in the podcast. Not knocking them. They do a higher volume, shorter uh, appointment package. And and that's fine. And, yep. and, and there's people who want that. And there's people whose finances, you know, make that very appealing to them. That's fine. It doesn't change the fact that we are a white glove, high touch, high service practice. And that's what we are. So what those guys charge doesn't really matter to me. Right. We know what we do. We know that we are book solid. You know, we know that we are just slam busy. The fact that those guys charge $10 less for their exam does not factor into my decisions about what we do. Totally. So that's it. So, but again, I don't want to be the most expensive practice, maybe by $30 in the whole area on the most price shopped items. That's, that's probably not a good idea. Right. So anyway, that's, it's useful information. It is not the driving piece of information for me. And and I don't, I don't recommend it for other people. Totally. So putting that aside, what is our, we need to have a pricing strategy. We need to be working towards something, know what we're doing. Like, let's not be one of those practices that just willy nilly raise prices. Like that's as hard, it's hard to get your staff to stand behind those prices. Yes. When you're like, hey, staff, we jacked up prices 20%. Why? I don't know. Sound like a good thing because people pay it. Right. Like that, <laughs> there's not a lot of team buy into that. But if there's a plan and we're working towards something, we can bring the, the tribe in and say, hey, hey, tribe. And I like to try the idea of, the, of my practice as a tribe. Hey, tribe, 
This is what we're doing together, and this is why we're doing. This is why it has to happen, and we talk to them about the why, and they see it, and it's much easier to get them on board. And I need their support as we raise practices or raise prices because they're going to be answering those questions, and they're going to be telling people what the prices are and showing them the estimates. So I want to I want to have them on board. Yeah. So getting that sort of buy-in, having strategy, I think that that's really important. I want to go back and just re-hit on what you said, which is true. I don't want to get into a into a pickle where I'm going, oh crap, I haven't raised prices in years, and now I really need to come up five percent or 10, like these big jumps. Mm-hmm. That sets off flags everywhere. The smartest play is to go up 2% here, mm-hmm. 2% there, you know, along and along. So you keep up. And at no point is there this big jump. There's a little jump and people go, ooh, yeah, that price is a little bit higher than it was last time I was here, but just a little bit. And then they go on and that becomes the norm. And then we go ahead and we reset from there. That's obviously what we want. Mm-hmm. I get the impression that we're playing from behind in this case, where it's like, we have not uh, adjusted prices in years. And now, now we got to do it. Mm-hmm. I, I still agree with you. In most things, when we are making significant changes, like, for example, curbside service, things like that, mask policies, over-communicate, communicate early. You know what I mean? If you're making some significant change, let the clients know. Let them know months in advance. Starting, starting at this date, we will no longer be doing whatever. Mm-hmm. The price changes is something that, I, that I, I think is different. I think all that does is invite discussion and pushback. Yes. I think, as you said, the the best thing is to just rip the bandaid off and say, hey, guys, we are doing this and then have a, a meeting with your team to talk about how we are going to discuss it. And and here's the other thing, too. This should not matter that much. People go, well, you're going to surprise the clients if you're if you're giving people estimates for your work, which you should be doing. Then if they have problems, it will come up before you do the work. Mm-hmm. If your idea is they're going to get to the uh, to the checkout and they're going to be shocked and angry. That's not so much a problem of you you raising prices, that's a problem of you not communicating what's going on during the visit. And we need to incorporate that as well. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%. And my thought process is, look, the clients don't need advanced warning, but your team does need verbiage. They need to know what to say because the answer is they they will get asked questions. You know, doctor doctor talking about money asked said, you know, do I just do it and then answer the questions when asked? I think that they are right on knowing that the team is going to get asked questions. And so they need to know what to say. And so for me, that's part of why having a schedule and a structure works. My team knows that we get our vendor price increases in January of every year. Some of them do it twice a year. So some of our vendors are on like a January, October schedule, but we get price increases with regularity. And so clients understand the idea that it costs something for us to provide our services. And so part of the verbiage for my team, especially for things that involve inventory, is when a client's question it, just say, you know, yes, we get our price increases from all of our vendors in January. And so, you know, we have adjusted our costs because it's cost now costing us more to carry the Apoquel or the HeartGuard or or all of the products because the reality is it goes up. Mm-hmm. And especially right now with COVID, supply chains are still disrupted. And so there are shortages. There are significant impacts that we've never had before. And so it wouldn't surprise me if we're in for some pretty different pricing increases this next year than we have been before. And so I think clients understand that. And so make it about what your, you know, what your reality is. If you are one of those hospitals where you are advocating for your team and you are paying them well and you want to see them make a living wage, have a conversation with your team about that so that they're bought into the why. And I don't think it's wrong for that why to extend to your clients. 
Your clients don't need a dissertation on why you increased your prices, though. And here's here's where a lot of clinics fall on their own sword, is that they're trying to explain and by explaining and not having the proper verbiage, the team gets too wordy with clients yes. and then clients feel like you're trying to excuse what you're doing. And so there's a big difference there for your team. They need to be aware. They need to know what to say. But it's like when you have to let somebody go, short and sweet is important. You need to be short and sweet and to the point. And so clients understand the fact that pricing goes up, giving them some verbiage. Because when Mrs. Jones says, oh my gosh, you know, you guys are just getting so expensive for your CSR to be able to say, yeah, Mrs. Jones, you know, I completely understand the cost of veterinary care may seem expensive because we don't have the insurance subsidy like human medicine. But can you believe we actually haven't raised our exam price since 2010. This is the first time being able to just say something simple like that to Mrs. Jones Mm -hmm. makes the argument stop right there, full stop. I have very, very rarely experienced clients who argue past that reality of acknowledging the fact that for a lot of us, we haven't been increasing our prices. We haven't been doing regular increases. Our exam, for a lot of us, our exam prices have stayed the same for five or 10 years. So use that to your advantage and make sure that your team has verbiage to talk about it. Yeah, you can actually make it worse Mm -hmm. beyond not saying anything Mm -hmm. by saying too much and making it this defensive thing. And I see it all the time because our people are wildly uncomfortable about money and we we want to defend ourselves. And that you're making it a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm with you. Get the team together. Talk about the why. Help them with the verbiage. Short and sweet is better. Mm -hmm. And honestly, you say the thing and then you listen. A lot of people just want to be heard. Mm -hmm. You listen and you, you agree that times are tough and and, you know, yep, I hear that. And then and then you go on. But that's, that's really it. I very much like your idea of, hey, um, you know, can you believe that we haven't raised prices in, in 10 years and we just are at a place where it, it has to happen? You know, mm-hmm. I know it's frustrating. It's we held off as long as we could. Mm-hmm. Period. Done. Right. Do not engage further. And, and that will that will be all you need probably. Yeah, totally. And then don't underestimate a really powerful tool that you can give to every single member of your team, which is the power to problem solve for clients in the moment. And so when price increases happen, I usually have the conversation with my team that says, look, there's gonna be a Mr. Smith who comes in for his toenail trim. And now instead of being $15 for the nail trim, it's $18. And he is just beside himself that we had the audacity to increase the price of our nail trim $3. When Mr. Smith pitches his fit, you can say, you know, Mr. Smith, I completely understand. You know, I know that you weren't prepared for the increase for today. You know what? I'll tell you what, I will be happy to comp you the nail trim today as a one-time customer service exception. And I just want you to be prepared next time when you come in with Fluffy that it's going to be $18 moving forward, you know, but I definitely want to get you taken care of today. And I understand that you were surprised. Look, you guys giving away that $18 nail trim to the client and making sure that they understand that you're setting the expectation for moving forward, empower your team to be able to solve those problems. Because the last thing that I want as the manager, and I, I say this because I've been there, is getting the work list that is full of all of the complaints from from the Mr. Smiths who are mad that the nail trim has gone up $3. Mm. Look, they're mad about it, but if the team was empowered to solve that problem and make a goodwill gesture in the moment, it almost 99.9% of the time diffuses the situation with those clients they're probably still going to grumble about it moving forward, 
but they're not going to forget the goodwill gestures. And that leaves me as the manager, those clients to deal with that really are going to be just so offended about the $3 nail trim. I would be happy to provide them alternatives besides my clinic to getting their pets nail trims in a manner that might be better suited for them in a price point that might be better suited for them. And I'm happy to deal with those small group of clients, but empower your team to be able to know how do they, how do they help that situation? Can they give away a free nail trim? Can they give the client a $10 credit on their bill this time? Whatever that is for your clinic, make that, remind the team about that and empower them to do something about it so that those clients who really are upset about something or who really maybe didn't get told, you know, and we all want to think that our teams do an amazing job of giving the information to the clients when big changes happen and they do, the reality is stuff slips through the cracks. And so Mrs. Smith may not have been told that now the nail trim is $10 more than it was two weeks ago and she's mad about it. Look, you guys, give a little bit of goodwill there. I promise it will not be one of those things where now you're hemorrhaging money because you're you're giving away free nail trims left and right. It's a short-term solution sure. to create goodwill with your clients. You can even honor your previous price right. and and just and, and just set the expectation for next time. Yep. Uh, that, that's what I would do is say, hey, this yep. this time we're going to go ahead and charge you what we used to charge. Yep. Just know that next time the price has gone up mm-hmm. and it is going to be higher next time. And then your team has to know to document it. Oh, yeah. So that when, you know, you have those clients who will try and take advantage when they come in the next time, you can say, well, it looks like Krista, ha- you know, let you know last time you were here that the price did go up and that we gave you, you know, we gave it to you at the at the price it was before last time. And so unfortunately, this time I'm going to have to charge you the current price. Yeah, totally. And, and at some point you have to have boundaries. Yeah. But at another point too, there's no reason to die on a hill for $3. Totally. If you've got someone who comes in with a dog that's easy to trim their nails. You know what I mean? Like, totally. Ultimately, we have to move them over to the new price. Yeah. Just giving them the old price for today to have a smooth transition. It's funny. Where you get screwed, and then we'll, we got to wrap up on this question after this, but uh, where you get screwed is when it gets presented in a way that turns it into a justice fairness issue yes. and the client just gets tied up in the principle of the thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know what? Mm-hmm. Just let it go mm-hmm. and set the mm-hmm. expectation for next time. Absolutely. And you just, yeah, that, that that's my thing. Yep. All right, cool. So let, let's do that that's that's enough of that. Yep. What else we got? I think that this next one is fun. This next one is also from someone in the clinic. It's from manager who hates dealing with money. We got a theme here. We yeah, do. The I hate money thread. Everybody hates talking about money. Yeah. So this one is a manager who is wondering, how do I deal with clients that have been sent to collections? Do I automatically send them a termination letter because I'm sending them to a collections? Do I flag them in my system if they should try and come back in again? What happens if they get scheduled again for an appointment before someone reads the chart? Mm-hmm. I am definitely not speaking from experience here. (laughs) Sincerely, the manager who hates dealing with money. This one for me is a really, really easy one. Yep, nail it. Number one, send a letter before you do it. You have an opportunity here to collect and you would be surprised at how many times clients who have ignored your phone calls, your emails, the things you've sent to them, when you send them a letter and say, hey, I'm gonna be turning your account over to collections if we can't have some communication from you within the next 30 days about what to do with your account, you'd be surprised at how many times clients come out of the woodwork and come up with a plan with you. And it may not be paying all of it at once, but I've had lots of conversations with clients who get that letter, who reach out and say, I'm really sorry, I lost my job. I, you know, this is the situation. Can I pay you $25 a month or $100 a month or whatever it is? So send a letter before you do it. Number two, 
send a letter again when you do it. So if you give them 30 days notice and then they don't do anything about it, send them a letter, say, hey, unfortunately, I wasn't able to reach you. I've sent your account to collections. We will be unable to provide services from this point forward until this account has been taken care of. And here's the contact information for the collections agency. You can contact them about making a payment. The third piece is you have to code your accounts. A few things that often get forgotten, especially as clinics grow, if you're still using a server-based practice management software, there are lots of clinics who go through and kind of purge out accounts that haven't been in in a certain period of time. Make sure to put a code on there to override it so that those collections accounts don't get purged. You would be amazed at how often I have accounts that go back 10 years or so. And I think this manager's question about what happens if someone gets scheduled again is a really valid one because we know that those clients who have had a history of bad debt with us in the past turn up like bad apples on a, on a fairly regular schedule. So they'll disappear for, you know, sometimes two, five, 10 years, and then they'll turn back up thinking that we've forgotten about the fact that they skipped out on a $1,000 bill, make sure that you code your system so that those clients can't be purged out of there, but also that people see it. So using alerts, using notes in there to know why they have an alert on their account. And I love that. <laughs> I love that this manager is noting what is obviously a hard thing for all of us in the clinic, which is that sometimes amazing, wonderful, talented unicorn employees forget how to read. Yeah. And it <laughs> uh, I was just going to say, you know, you know, the problem I'm sure with the pop-up notification is the font wasn't big enough. If the font had been bigger, right. that would have solved. I don't know about you guys. Uh, we, we have pop-ups that are in 47 point font and they still don't get read. <laughs> By me. I, I'm the one who doesn't read them. Like it, it's, it's, it's on me. It's totally true. <laughs> It's totally true. But the reality is we know that in this in the speed of the moment, things get clicked. Everybody gets click happy. Click, 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 click. I'm going to go through all the alerts. Nobody's going to read it. And so this happens, right? We have bad debt clients. We have clients who have balances on their account and they get scheduled. They get a new puppy or a new kitten and they get put on the schedule and then someone recognizes it and is like, oh crap, now this client is on the schedule they owe us $2,000 still. How do we do? Do we just ignore this? Do we all play dumb? Like what, what happens? For me, this is not a hard conversation to have. You just have to know what to say. And I think this is the problem is that a lot of times it's the CSR team or sometimes the tech team, like they picked up the phone trying to help out the front desk. They didn't read the alerts. They scheduled the client. The CSR team is like, well, crap, now this client, like we can see that this is coded for bad debt and they owe us $2,000, but now they're on the schedule. So we're just all going to ignore this, right? Th there has to be a script for this. For me, I just call up the client and I say, you know, Mrs. Smith, I see that you were scheduled with your new puppy or kitten fluffy on, you know, whatever the day. I am super excited for you that you have a new pet. Unfortunately, we still have an outstanding balance due on your account of, you know, X amount of dollars from whatever the service was for until we take care of clearing up this balance that is due on the account. We can't provide new and ongoing services for you. 
I'd be happy to set up a payment today, let them know what your payment types are, let them know that you take care, pe- care credit, let them know you take scratch pay, whatever your options are for paying it off and say, how would you like to take care of that today? If they say, well, I can't take care of that today, say, okay, no problem, I completely understand. I can go ahead and cancel Fluffy's upcoming appointment and I can put you on the list to follow up with, you know, when you get paid next. Listen to what they say. What is their, what is their concern? What is the situation? You want to be able to work with people and at the same time, we absolutely have the right to communicate to our clients that we need to be paid for services rendered at the time that they are rendered. And there's nothing wrong with telling a client, I'm sorry, you owe us money, particularly some of these clients who owe us hundreds and thousands of dollars past due. It is an unrealistic expectation that we would continue to provide them services if they haven't paid their bill. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. The, the two things I just want to hammer on is, is number one, your first step is so vital. It, it, we don't like talking about money. And so we don't reach out to them and say, hey, we're going to send you to collections. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if I was on the other side, I, I would want to know that. Yeah. You know, we all get, we all get bills in the mail, mm-hmm. but you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of people just go, well, you know, I'll pay that when I get a chance or, or I'll pay that when I get the money. I think that that heads up of this is going to happen imminently. Right. It's amazing how often that solves your problem. And also know that once they go to collections, you're never getting any of that money. You know, like you're not, even if they, even if collections gets money, you're not getting hardly anything. So anything you can work out is a benefit. And then the other thing, I just, I love your system of calling them and saying, Hey, you know, we're not able to see you because you have an outstanding balance. How do we get that finished up? I do a lot of teaching, uh, how to work with a cash strap clients and exam room communication with cash strap clients. One of my big things is you, uh, you gotta be fair. Mm -hmm. And that that's really is, is you need to have a system for working with people who, where finances are restricted. That is fair. Mm -hmm. And that is uniform across people. And it's like, I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care how you dress. I don't care what you drive. This is how we treat people. And this is how we handle people. And this is our system. Yeah. And and it really is just that of we cannot provide these services if you have this outstanding balance. And and that's it. And be upfront about it. Mm-hmm. And just give yourself permission to not feel guilty and say, these are our policies. This is what it is. This is what we have to do to keep stay in business. But run that system. Communicate and be firm. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. What's our next one? All right. So our, our last one for today, I'm super excited about this one. <laughs> And I bet you guys can guess very shortly why. Yeah. So we got a letter in the mailbag and it says, Stephanie and Andy, please note who gets the top billing here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that all the time. That was that was their wording, not mine. I was doing a um I was doing a I was doing a um I was doing a virtual lecture and and someone put in the chats, Hey, where is Stephanie? The reason I listen to Uncharted Podcast Goss. And I was like, Oh, come on, man. Like no, you don't have to do it in my face. You're like, everybody knows that's true. You don't have to just say it to my face. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so this one is, I have a situation in my hospital that I think I need, I know the answer to, but I wanted to ask for guidance. It may be a topic that's too sensitive for your podcast. It is not. So we're going to talk about it. The patient care team gets to play their Pandora or Spotify in the treatment room where clients can't hear it. 
especially during curbside because we have no clients in the building. So I've been letting them listen to whatever they want, and I have noticed that they have been playing things with explicit lyrics since clients can't hear. But I have heard several rap songs where it drops the N-word. And so, number one, I am wondering, is this okay to allow? Number two, is there an easy way to not allow this by making them, like, can I make them turn on an an explicit lyrics filter or something like that if they're going to play the music? I really enjoyed the episode you guys did about how to make Saturdays better, talking about music. And so I am thinking that this might be a topic that you guys have some insights on. Signed, Dr. Trying to Be a Good Ally or Dr. Music Prude. (laughs) Or Dr. Music Prude. That's awesome. I love it. I Yeah, I love this question so much. I feel this question in my bones. And I'll tell you why. Me too. I am a 90s rap guy. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. I love, we would listen to Today Was a Good Day again and again, if we could. I I grew up with Dr. Dre and Ice-T and Ice Cube and um, I, I, have, I have diverse music tastes, just so you know. But man, when I, when I am by myself, I listen to 90s hip hop yeah. and it is not appropriate yeah. for, for public consumption. So I, I'm with your, I'm with the team. I love it. It makes me happy. I, I do like, I, I listen to some Drake. I, I'm not kidding. Kanye, uh, I enjoy. But that's not a work thing. I saw a side question to this at one point. It was from a totally different doctor. Mm-hmm. And they had a doctor who was doing surgery and was listening to podcasts during surgery. Yep. And was listening to an explicit podcast, a sexually explicit podcast about people talking about their sexual experiences. Yep. And the doctor was like, am yep. I being approved? This is not okay. And one of the technicians complained like, this is this is gross. And I, I don't I don't like this. Yeah. And that was that was easy because the, the staff was complaining. That made it super easy. But what if they hadn't complained? What if what if they'd been like, I love this podcast. This is really fun to listen to at work. Right. Uh, the, these fall into the same bucket for me. Yep. When I was a baby manager at my very first clinic, we had a technician who I absolutely loved and adored. And she was very, it was very um, small town, kind of conservative leaning rural farming kind of community and so we had a technician and she was she loved the Mm -hmm. howard stern show good example and we had always had like elevator music in the clinic until this until this technician started and then she started listening to howard stern in the treatment room and there were some times where i was just like oh my gosh like we're gonna get into so much trouble if anybody hears this i think your point is a super super good one um and super important andy it's not just music lyrics There are lots of things, podcasts, radio shows that are careless, not only in terms of the language that they're using, but the topics that they're talking about. And so I think it's really important from an HR perspective that we think about the big umbrella of using terms that are offensive, inappropriate, um, just plain wrong when it comes to racial and ethnic groups. But I also think thinking about things that are sexist, things that are sex oriented all of those things kind of follow under that umbrella and from an HR perspective you have to think about that and look here's the reality like we are not the thought police for our clinic Mm -hmm. we're not telling them how to think by telling them that they can or can't listen to music at work what we are doing is regulating the conduct that happens in our place of business and that absolutely is our right but also our job like it or not, practice owners and practice managers have a job to uphold <laughs> to uphold the law. And there has been rulings on this in the Supreme Court 
about what is appropriate and what is not and what employers have a responsibility to do. So the reality is our team, you and I, can be in our cars and be, mm-hmm. <laughs> have 90s rap turned up all the way. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. But at work, if there is a standard that is set about how employees should behave and what kind of things are appropriate, then we have to abide by that. And we have a right as employers to set that bar. And so I think it's it's really important. And so the answer to Dr. Music Prude is yes, you can ban the music as long as you're doing it in a way that is fair and consistent across the board. Yeah. So, so you have the right from, I'm going to kind of set the scale here. So on one far side, you have the option to impose an across the board ban on music. You could say, we can't have music in the building. Or you can say, the only music that is going to be played is elevator music or whatever it is that you want. So you can be on one side there. That makes my heart so sad. But yeah, you could totally do that. <laughs> I'm going to get to you. You can also move a little bit in the in the other direction, which says, okay, look, we're not going to play music out loud in the treatment room. But if you want to wear an earbud in one ear and you want to listen on headphones, you totally can, right? Like for years, my team listened to music in the kennels to help drown out some of the barking, (laughs) you know, you can have, you can have a rule where they can listen to whatever they want. They just have to have a headphone in their ear. You also can move in closer to the middle. You also can say, look, you guys can pick any kind of music you want. The explicit lyric filter has to be on because we can't have anything that's inappropriate. The filters are pretty good. They're going to pick up a lot of it. It's like when you listen to the actual radio station and they play Stuff that, you know, they play something by Nelly, it's gonna get rid of all of the <laughs> all of the bad words, but it's also gonna put in the the filters on things that are racially inappropriate, that are sexually inappropriate, those kind of things. So you can be there kind of in the middle. You also could be on the far opposite end, which says anything goes. Just be aware that if that is the end that you are on, it doesn't matter whether you find it offensive or not. Right. It matters whether a person who hears it finds it offensive or not. And if a person who hears it and finds it offensive is one of your employees, know that you could be in for a lawsuit Yeah, because they didn't find it appropriate. Yeah. I, I have stronger feelings on this than you do, I, I think. I, said, I, I, I said, I love 90s rap. I grew up with it. it. It's It makes me happy. I think Howard Stern is a great example. I mean, the most popular, I don't know if he still is, but I think he is. The guy makes a bajillion dollars on Sirius XM or whatever. Mm-hmm. The most popular radio show in the world. Wildly inappropriate for the workplace. Right. <laughs> so so here's, so you say, well, you know, or you could be wide open. I, I don't think you can. I mean, here's here's my thing. And this is, this is sort of my, the thoughts from a doctor is, if you you uh, if if you would hate to see these lyrics written on a court document then you should do what you can to avoid having them played in your practice yeah if you can imagine a disgruntled employee saying i was forced to work in a workplace with music that said things like this and it listed things that howard stern had said and things that yes. were that nwa had rapped about yes i don't know about you i don't want to be on the other side of that 
And that, that is what we're talking about. Yep. That is a disgruntled employee saying this was an unsafe, unfit, uh, yep. I'm thinking of the word, the um, ag- like aggressive, toxic workplace. Yeah. And this is the music that we listened to. And it repeatedly talked about violence and blah, blah, blah. And you go, that's ridiculous. This is, these are, this is 90s music. When someone is a disgruntled employee and they're trying to get unemployment insurance out of you or they have a legal claim against you, they're not playing right. and this is just an easy one so just to me it's just too easy to say guys i love i love 90s rap and the fact that i love 90s rap makes it even easier <laughs> i love it trust me i totally love it don't listen at work you know yeah. like we've got to put on the explicit li- lyric filter just because we don't and the other, the other thing is you don't know you don't know your employees or what they go through or things like that you know it, it, this may be someone who uh this may be a deeply religious person yes who's really bothered by this yep. and it shouldn't be on them to come up and say hey i'm really bothered by what everybody else is doing and so yeah. I just think it's too easy to say explicit lyrics at the vet clinic are out. You know, you can listen to the clean versions. That's fine. Yeah. And and I think the other thing, too, to consider, there's two other things for me from an HR perspective. One is you and I both love music, and I am one of those people where I can actually concentrate better if I have music going in my brain and out loud. But also, I have now come to work with coworkers that I love and adore absolutely cannot handle the distraction of music. And so some people love having music at work and there are other people that equally absolutely hate it. And so I think it's our job as managers to be sensitive to the fact that there are people who find it disruptive and there are people who literally cannot concentrate if there is music going out loud. And so I think from an HR perspective, it is our job to look at that and try and find a happy medium and set the standard and set the bar for our team to respect people on both sides of the coin there. And then I think the other thing that's important is when you're thinking about what to do here for Dr. Music Prude and how to set your policy my thought would be go back to what is your what is your standard of um, conduct say? What does your handbook say? If you have standards in your handbook about profanity in the workplace, if you have a standard in there because you used a cookie cutter template and you say we don't tolerate profanity in the workplace, how is listening to music that drops the f bomb every other word upholding those standards? Yeah. And so you have to really think about what are what do you want to stand for as a clinic? What are what are your values? And you may or may not have those things in there. But that's a great place to start to figure out what is going to be problematic for you. And the the reality is, is that the Supreme Court has actually seen and heard a case on this. And they came back and said that the company has to protect the employee. And if an employee finds something offensive, the company has the duty to handle that and to make sure that everybody feels equally respected and not discriminated against. And so I actually agree with you, Andy. I think for me, it's a no a no brainer. You you don't. You either say, no, you can't listen to that type of music at work, or you say, yeah, you guys can listen to it, but only with the explicit lyric filter on. Those are your two choices. Yeah. But for those clinics out there who are like, oh, we're a family. Nobody's going to complain. Look, you do you. And if you're going to make that choice, make that choice very open-minded to the fact that you brought up Andy, which is that at some point down the line, you are going to deal with an employee who does not any longer view you as a family Mm -hmm. and it will come up and it will bite you in the ass. Yeah. That's exactly (laughs) it. it Everything is cool while we're all here, friends hanging out. Right. It just takes one person who says, I'm, I am angry. I am toxic. Things have gone bad. 
and they can go back and say, oh, I, this is this is definitely played. And they remember the songs and they yeah. can quickly go and, and just and it supports this idea that you have made this uh, an unsafe work environment for them. You know, and the yeah. last thing I, I just wrap this up. This didn't used to be a problem. This is a this is a new age problem. You, you used to be you just turn on the radio and if it's on the radio, it's fine. And right. we have we live in a changing world where the radio has yeah. been kind of uh, replaced by streaming, and the content providers have said we're not policing our content. You know, we're just going to put out whatever we want, and if it's filthy, then viewer discretion is advised, and that's our only right. responsibility. Which means it is on the point of the consumer to decide what's appropriate and what's not. And if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's so much stuff yep. out there. You go, oh my God, I do not want to turn on YouTube and let it go because who knows where we're going to end up. Or I don't want to yep. turn on you know, satellite radio and just let it go because I, I don't know that I want my kids listening to that. Well, what yep. I guess the, the point I just want to hammer in and be done is if this is being played in your treatment room, the end consumer is not the listener. The end consumer is the business that is broadcasting the audio to the employees. And so if the, con if the content creator has abdicated responsibility for the content or decided what's appropriate, that means that the business uh, taking it in and playing it for employees is, uh, has that responsibility. So, yep, you just, can't, you just can't turn a blind eye uh, because inappropriate content is just everywhere and it's been normalized until someone doesn't like it and then you're the employer and you're held responsible yeah cool man oh man okay so we knocked some of those off of our list we've got a whole bunch more short questions um that i'm excited to in the coming weeks get to doing another one of these and addressing because these ones these ones are fun they are super fun we've got some stuff coming up in uncharted real quick you and i uh, it will be over by the time this podcast comes out but we are doing our team communication weekend-long workshop I'm super pumped to do that with you. Melanie Kramer in December is doing a workshop on creating and repurposing your marketing content so that you don't have to do a bunch of work in 2021. It's like, how do you take the stuff that worked in the past and quickly and easily make it amazing for your practice in 2021? That's coming up in December. You and I are running our strategic planning uh, workshop, which is legit. Yep. We've got an inventory workshop, also legit, both in January. All of this stuff is free to Uncharted members. Uh, it all costs money uh, to the public. So, guys, we'll give you more details as we get close to it, um, and you can you can definitely register. But, yeah, if you're an Uncharted member, all that stuff is on the table. Jump in with us. Uh, we've got, if you're a practice owner, our Practice Owner Summit is in December, and it's only open to our members. Uh, but there's a couple spots left that you could probably get into if you want to just get on board in a big way. Otherwise, our strategic planning, plan, plan your year with me and Stephanie Goss. So anyway, and the last thing I'd say is if you're in a practice and you are a team lead or you're an associate vet and you want to do more leadership stuff or you aspire to practice ownership, if you've got CE money that expires at the end of the year, an uncharted membership is a great thing to spend it on. You get a whole year with us and our workshops and our community. So yeah. anyway, something to think about. Yeah, I love it. All right, that's it for me. That's it. That's it. That's all we got. That's all we got. <laughs> we have officially run out of gas. All right. Take it easy. Have a great week, guys. Talk to you later.
And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. As always, let me and Steph know if we can help you with questions. Uh, the email address is podcast at unchartedvet.com. That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. Come and see us in the Uncharted community. Guys, honestly, the Uncharted community is growing very nicely, very steadily. We are adding uh, new workshops all the time. The uh, everyday, vibrant, enthusiastic, positive community working together. You should be a part of this. So head over to unchartedvet.com, get registered. All right, take care, guys. Bye. That's it? That's how we're ending this? I guess so. I mean, yeah, I didn't have anything else.